Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. All right, welcome in. Cube Show Podcast, a college football podcast. Usually comes to you on Sunday. Uh, not so much this week as we had to bump some things back, had some travel issues, but we're going to dive right into it. Massive games over the weekend. LSU-Bama did not disappoint. Georgia-Missouri did not disappoint. A couple other surprise games that were a little more competitive than we thought. Jacksonville State and South Carolina. We're going to break them all down. You know, each and every week we're brought to you by Wickles Pickles, Wickedly Delicious. Go check out their website, wicklespickles.com. Go to the Instagram, find some good, uh, some good ingredients that you can use or some good recipes, excuse me. They can be the ingredients for those recipes. You can get rolling. Wickles Pickles, we've got them at home. We snack on them. They are outstanding. They got a giveaway going on Twitter right now as well, at Wickles Pickles. Go check that out. Appreciate them sponsoring the show and being a title sponsor. All right, um, I was in Starkville, Mississippi over the weekend. They had Kentucky, uh, stayed out at Old Waverly. Uh, pretty cool being out there. Uh, they do a good job at that place. Ate dinner out there, nice restaurant, good people. Fun to kind of get away a little bit and feel removed from everything in such a busy time of the year. But I tell you, the uh, the game was, was a little bit strange uh, when you think about just kind of what it was and how it went. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what I expected, but Kentucky gets to win 24 to three. And talking to Zach Arnett, you know, I think he, he still has confidence in his team and what they can be. Will Rogers apparently has practiced and thrown, but no real timetable on when he's going to be back. So Mike Wright is your quarterback. Now, that means you're going to be a little more run heavy. Try to find some balance. Xavier Thomas was that guy last week. Couldn't get him going this week, even though Kevin Barbe, the OC, told us that they had designed touches for him. Tulu Griffin, not enough touches, in my opinion. I think he needs 12 to 15 a game. He's that kind of a player. And I saw Tulu a couple of times visibly frustrated during the course of that game. You get a 20-play drive early, and you come away with three points. It's just not enough. Pick six, really, I thought by, uh, by Kentucky kind of really ended any hope that Mississippi State had to win this game. Um, I, I still think the defense played hard. Uh, you saw some guys up front make plays, do some good things. Um, and it was a cool visit with Mike Wright. Don't get me wrong. Great personality. Loved the kids. Said when he left Vanderbilt – it had nothing to do with football. It just wasn't for him anymore. Looking for something new. Talked about his relationship with Barbe. Talked about how he knew Will Rogers from the Manning Academy and some other different things. Big reason why he went there. But, you know, he's he's a, a, a more mobile quarterback. He's not going to give you a lot of balance in the passing game. Footwork needs to improve a little bit more. And with no Woody Marks and no Will Rogers, I think they're a very different team. Now, defensively, I thought Bookie still got after it. Jet Johnson, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I think Jet's the most underrated player in the league. Um, he makes more tackles in space that if he would not have made those tackles are going to go for big games than anybody I've seen in the, in the Southeastern Conference, maybe the last two years. He saves a lot for that football team. Uh, but this is one where they just got bogged down, and Kentucky's defense did a nice job. I thought 97 up front did a pretty good job for Kentucky. Mentioned 54 with that pick six. Uh, that was a big play and bouncing back from last week as well, which I didn't think he had as good of a game. Um, didn't see much of Oxendine. I don't think he went in this game. He was questionable whether he was going to go. I thought the safeties did a really good job coming down, playing physical for Kentucky as well because he were going to need them in run support. 
with how they were going to operate up front. Uh, just overall, I thought a, a solid plan. Wasn't very high risk. The run game not dominant. Got it going a little bit late when you needed it. And I tell you, the thing I, I came away with, maybe more so than anything else in this game, is the escapability of Devin Leary. Um, I thought just him being able to get away from the rush, even when guys got their hands on him, like he was able to move away, keep a play alive, or just throw the ball away and not take a sack. Pretty impressive portion of his game that I'm not really sure I knew existed, at least to that extent. So uh, it was impressive to see that from him. And Kentucky gets bowl eligible. First win in Starkville in a long time. Haven't had a lot of success there, so that's big for Coach Stoops and his group. Um, so, I, I mean, it's I, I don't know what to make of this Mississippi State team right now. You're sitting there at 4-5. and five, Still have a chance to make a bowl game, but you've got to find some offense. You've got to find some balance, some rhythm, and create some of those explosive plays that you at least found a little bit of earlier in the season. All right, uh, let's get to the big one. Right out of the gate, LSU and Alabama. Um what a game. What a matchup. Nobody disappointed here. Uh, Malik Neighbors making plays. Alabama did limit the freebies, though. That's one thing we talked about last week. Uh, he got one early, got one maybe on a crosser a little bit late, but did not give LSU receivers a lot of free chances to create explosive plays. They made that, def they made that group work, uh, that Alabama defense did, and I thought that was one thing that really changed a lot of that game. Love what they did up front as far as that Alabama defense, how they changed some things around. Did a good job not allowing the edge defenders to get too far upfield. I mean, you visibly saw them get about even with the quarterback and stop and kind of retract back to try to keep him in the pocket. And Jalen still broke him down at times. I mean, he's an incredible runner. Um, but nonetheless, uh, Jaden Daniels goes 15 to 29, 219, two touchdowns, an interception. Malik Neighbors 10 for 171. Daniels ran 11 times for 163 yards and a touchdown. Yeah, he got knocked out of the game. It's part of it, and you got to figure out a way to con continue to move the football. I'm not sure it matters because Alabama was moving the football up and down the field. A lot of that because of Jalen Milrow and what he did and how dynamic he was as a runner. Guy was unbelievable on third down. Milrow was. Um, I've got it right here. And I mean, you, you think about just him being able to continue drives, move the chains, and how much he changed the game by doing what he did on third down. He was five of five passing on third down for 93 yards, picked up four first downs. He ran the ball six times for 53 yards on third down and picked up five first downs. So, I mean, that's the difference in the game right there. A guy that can continue to move the chains, possess the football, put you in scoring position, help you get points. One of those rushes was a touchdown. And that's, that's to me, what was the difference for Alabama. I thought the offensive line had a pretty good day. Some of the pressures came late. And it was very evident to me that Milrow had been coached. I don't know what exactly the indicator was. If it was man coverage or if it was rushers upfield or if it was a pressure off the edge because he got a pressure off the edge one time, he takes one step up and then he's gone. Deliberate, decisive in getting out of the pocket. Another time it looked like he saw man coverage and he just left the pocket. Uh, there was another edge defender comes off, he steps up, steps up, the pocket really collapsed on him and he didn't panic and he gets out of there and he goes and picks up first down yardage. He was just, he was amazing on third down. And I thought he did a good job step at climbing the pocket looking to pass still and then deciding to go definitively and hitting the gas. And then you know he's a dynamic runner that's going to make you pay. So, uh, And Alabama got a little dinged up during the course of the game. Deontay Lawson had an ankle. I think Jalen Key had a quad where he left. And give Terrion Arnold credit. He goes over to Star and did a pretty good job for the majority of that game. You have to mix up your secondary against LSU. Nobody wants that. That's not easy. Uh, Dallas Turner, big game off the edge. 
uh, that front one time where they went Quandarius Robinson, Dallas Turner, I think a Boigby was at nose, and then you had Braswell down, and then Deontay Lawson walked up outside. So when they were empty, no backs or no tight ends for LSU, you basically had them go 5-0 protection there saying, hey, we got five lined up, five pretty good pass rushers, you're going to have to block them up. Better make a decision quick. And dropped a couple of them at times, but just different looks from Bama I really liked. Tommy Reese, a couple of different things. The split zone, so you run the zone play with the splitter coming flat across. Reed, quarterback kept it, followed the splitter, which was nigh black. He wraps instead of splits and like walling off that defender, wraps, and then is able to reach that DB and Milrow walks in for a touchdown. It's just it's a cool play design that they haven't run a lot of this year. And I give Tommy Reese credit. There was also a two back with 19 in the backfield. So you put a receiver in the backfield and they run lead duo or duo with an insert basically from that receiver who leads the way. Just Tommy Reese had a few new wrinkles and did a few things. Obviously the fourth down play where you had the back a little bit further removed instead of the sneak, you fake it to him, goes around picks up first down yardage, just a little extra creativity from Tommy Reese. I liked it. And again, I give the coaching staff credit, Saban, Reese, other guys on the offensive staff of coaching up Jalen Milrow, how to leave the pocket, when to leave the pocket, but not necessarily just abandoning the passing game because that decision-making is what led to him having all of that success. So I thought, uh, I thought the LSU defense rushed upfield a little bit too much at times, uh, missed a couple of tackles. Defensive tackles, shoulders turn too much. So you can't play the run and play your gap if your shoulders are turned. You're opening up run lanes. That was the problem. Uh, usage of Harold Perkins, eh, you know, not bad, but uh, felt like he could have impacted the game in some different ways. Thought 30, Greg Penn played a really good game for the LSU defense, but just not enough. As Alabama gets that win, they get to 8-1. and one. LSU goes to 6-3 and three on the season. Uh, Missouri-Georgia, another massive matchup. And before I tell you about that, I'll tell you about Blue Delta Jeans. Custom denim, premium denim. You're going to love it. Best denim you'll ever have in your life. I had them on for Read and React tonight. You can check that out on the SEC Network at 6 p.m. on Mondays. Um, they're custom fit for you, so you don't have to worry about being too baggy, too long, uh, too tight. They are going to fit perfect, and they're flexible, comfortable, breathable. Blue Delta Jeans is all I wear now. Uh, thanks to Nick and those guys over there at Blue Delta. Go to BlueDeltaJeans.com. Christmas around the corner. You can go gift certificate if you want to for Blue Delta Jeans, BlueDeltaJeans.com. Georgia gets to win 30-21. to 21. They get to 9-0. Survive in advance at this point if you're Georgia, honestly. I mean, just win your games and you're good. Uh, Mizzou goes to 7-2. Gritty performance. And we talked last week about it when we previewed it a little bit. Brady Cook, he pretty much had to be perfect in this game. I mean, he was going to have to be perfect. And, you know, he made a big mistake trying to float it to the back. And obviously, Nazir Stackhouse picks it off. That ends up pretty much being it for Missouri. But the things that they did well, um, I thought Missouri rushed the passer well. Hopper was really good at linebacker. Darius Robinson off the edge was really good for Mizzou. They caused some problems. And it wasn't a comfortable day offensively for Georgia. They, they made it complicated. I thought the DBs, for the most part, did a pretty good job in coverage, you know, some of those throws to Ladd McConkey, I mean, that, those are quick throws. Uh, the one down the seam, obviously, that's one you'd like to have back. But, and, and listen, Ladd's pretty damn good. But I thought Missouri showed up. They matched most of the physicality with this Georgia football team, which not a lot of teams can do. It's just turnovers and a couple explosive plays for the Bulldogs. I thought Carson Beck was fantastic. 
Uh, thought he did a nice job stepping up in the pocket, delivered some good balls. Did he miss a few down the field? Yes. I'm not going to nitpick that. I thought I'm not going to sit there and look at that and say that, you know, he's a bad quarterback or can't play because he misses a couple throws down the field. That's going to happen. You're not going to be perfect on those. Milton goes nine for 44. thought he ran really hard. I mean, he was a bulldozer when he was in there. Uh, Edwards goes 16 for 77. Consistent rushing attack, not really there. Attribute some of that to that Missouri defense. And I did feel like Bobo kind of went to, like if I'm Bobo's brain, what I felt like I saw was him saying, our best chance to win this game is with the drop back pass. Whether it's quick throws, catch and run, whether it's pass pro, we think we can be okay. Our quarterback being decisive, delivering good balls. I think he understood just running the football is probably not going to happen against this group. And it didn't feel as creative as maybe a couple did the last few weeks, like not as many moving parts, not as many different looks. But maybe that was something that he just thought, we, we want to decipher what the defense is, get into the best thing possible, and then we'll just run the play. Uh, but either way, it's a, it's a good win for Georgia. Cody Schrader, 22 for 112 and a touchdown. I'm telling you, man, like the stretch play was going late. And I still think overall, it was a pretty good day for the Georgia linebackers. Dumas Johnson gets dinged up. Uh, Smile Monday, I thought, had a good game. But late, as the stretch started going a little bit, you saw him overrun it a little bit. You saw the backside get cut off and Schrader had some cutback plays. Uh, so I think the offensive line for Missouri, sticking with it, continuing to run it, believing in it, trusting it, and Schrader trusting them, able to open some things up, just couldn't slam the door and couldn't find a way to get back into it. Cook goes 14 to 30, 212, a touchdown, two interceptions. The last one was just forcing it. We're not going to be mad at him about that one. Um, you know, he ran the ball 10 times for 39 yards. I liked the design quarterback runs early on, essentially to say, hey, Georgia, you have to defend this. It's going to be there. You have to do it. And he just, you know, it, it wasn't enough. It had to be pretty much a perfect day for him, and he was going to have to be big. And um, just wasn't able to get it done. Uh, Javon Bullard interception. Tyke Smith, massive again for this Georgia defense. I mean, you see him in the backfield. You see him in coverage. You see him batting balls down. He had the pressure for that interception uh, that Nazir Stackhouse got. And more and more of these guys for the Georgia defense, like Jalen Walker and Zion Lowe, continue to start showing up more and more and more. And it feels like we're going to get to the end of the year, and they're going to be pretty much set with guys who can be disruptive up front. Michael Williams had a couple nice plays. Seven had a couple big plays. As far as affecting things, making things happen, you won't see it in the box score but just redirecting plays, denting the pocket, making something happen as far as, you know, somebody being uncomfortable in the pocket. Um, so I, I just thought, you know, listen, I mean, Tyke had a sack, had the hit on the interception, seven tackles, but Missouri came in, they outrushed Georgia. They were better on third down than Georgia and then didn't get a win. And I think this says a lot about the Georgia football team, finding ways to win, different ways to win, uncomfortable wins, kind of like what Ole Miss has been doing and I love the uncomfortable wins because it means if things don't go exactly according to plan, you're still a dangerous football team. And I felt like that's kind of what we've learned about Georgia here the last few weeks. Speaking of Ole Miss, 38-35, they hold on against A&M. Maybe made it a little bit uncomfortable on themselves because it felt like after that block field goal, that thing was over uh, before the block field goal. Uh, you know, Ole Miss hits that, all of a sudden, you know, that's a massive swing. To get the three, instead you go back with the seven the other way, and you had the right guard on the field goal team, I think, just slipped and fell down. He got too far forward. Um, Shamar Turner goes up, blocks that thing. They run it back. But either way, uh, the offense for Ole Miss was pretty sharp. 387, two touchdowns, no picks for Jackson Dart. 
Trey Harris, 11 for 213 and a touchdown and had a couple out of bounds that were just ridiculous. He could have had more than that easy. Um, he is unbelievable, whether it's 50-50 balls in traffic, catch and run, getting guys off of him, working the middle of the field. Like, he's dynamic. And uh, he's going to be a problem for Georgia this weekend. But he had a big day. Judkins goes for 100 again, 23 for 102, three touchdowns. I love how they got north and south with Judkins late. You have an opportunity to slam the door, put the nail in the coffin, finish your opponent. Like Scorpion throwing that javelin and reeling him over there. Judkins was a big part of that getting downhill. I did not, I, I did, I was not a fan of DJ Durkin playing three down late. Judkins gutted you in that defense last year. He was gutting you on that drive. And your best players on defense outside of Edger and Cooper has been amazing this year. Should be on the Butkus finalist list. You're only playing three D linemen, and that's your best position group. Like get more of your best bodies on the field, be more capable stopping the run. But you saw the little quick option that Ole Miss ran, like another new wrinkle from them right there, and goes in and picks up the touchdown or gets close to the end zone, then you get the touchdown. Uh, I thought that Monty Richardson had a pretty good game for that defense. Cooper was great again. Nolan, Diggs, Turner, Rakes, all solid for the A&M defense, but just not enough consistently. I think that's the biggest thing with A&M is consistency more than anything else because, you know, you see guys run the ball and they run the ball well, and then it's like all of a sudden that goes away. Uh, protection, good, good, and then complete meltdown. Quarterback, strike, strike, what are you doing? Uh, the consistency is just not there. And it's weird because this road losing streak, now nine games and true road games, like defense travels, right? That's what we always say. And it just doesn't feel like that's happening for Texas A&M. They have good backs. They should have a good offensive line. They don't. Capable tight ends that can help you. Max Wright did some good things in this game. Yet you can't consistently run the football. Um, so, I mean, I thought Reuben Owens ran hard. Uh, you know, I, I hated to see what happened to Le'Veon Moscow because he's one of my favorite backs in the league. But I just it, it's it's kind of mind-numbing for me. And I know you didn't have Evan Stewart, but you have other weapons. Like Johnny Walker was big, eight for 100. Uh, but the ball security, you know, putting the ball on the ground, throwing the ball to the other team. I mean, Max Johnson could have had multiple interceptions late in that game that weren't able to be reeled in. So the decision-making not there. Uh, the slide protection for A&M is egregious. You quarter slide, half slide, whether it's center right guard, right tackle sliding, left guard, left tackle sliding, and you get pressure up the middle multiple times it happened to this offense. It can't take place. You slide the protection to avoid that, and you're letting run through hit right there in the A-gap. Happened three or four times just in this game. It's, it's unacceptable. It cannot take place. Uh, so I really don't know where you go from here, five and four. Um, you know, Anaya Smith, seven touches for 94 yards total. I've said it before. I think he needs to be in that 12 to 14 touch range. He's that dynamic. You saw it last week, and those were more catch and runs last week, but maybe a little bit further down the field. He has to be a part of what you're doing. The Ole Miss defense got some good performances. J.J. Pegues is becoming a really good defensive lineman, not just an athlete playing D-line. Like He's using his hands much better. You saw Perkins off the edge. Um, you saw Trey Washington made a couple of big plays. Ladarius Tennyson's flying all over the place. He's putting his body on the line, just banging into people. Cedric Johnson, good off the edge. Uh, you know, he's had a little bit of a, probably a quieter year than some people anticipated. But Pete did a really good job of dialing up some pressures the right way that he needed to when he needed to and didn't always show it and cause some of that commotion. It's a big win for Ole Miss, make no mistake. And they get a bigger one this week against Georgia. I think they can be a little problematic. We'll talk about it somewhat later in the show. But that's a massive win for Lane Kiffin and company. 
Uh, massive win for you can be the lawnmower 5.0. Why? Well, listen, it's the most revolutionary ball trimmer the world's ever seen. Our friends over at Manscaped, they've been working night and day to bring you below the waist grooming experience like none other with their brand new lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. Talking about a next generation trimmer with interchangeable blade heads for whatever your shave mind can imagine. AI is cool, but think this might be the biggest technological advancement this world's ever seen. Upgrade your grooming game to the Ultrasphere this year by going to manscaped.com to get 20% off plus free shipping with promo code CUBE, C-U-B-E. High tech for low prices, it's Manscaped. Every man knows how scary it can get when going for a close shave below the belt. That's why I trust Manscaped for all my sensitive areas. Again, get 20% off, use promo code CUBE, C-U-B-E, and free shipping at manscaped.com. 20% off plus free shipping, promo code CUBE, manscaped.com. You will not regret it. All right, uh, Tennessee smashes UConn. Um, didn't have John Campbell Jr. for the whole game. Left side struggled just a little bit because of that. Joe Milton, 11-14, 254, two touchdowns, no picks. I'm going to regurgitate something I've said about him this year, okay? And they run for 200 again. I think they've done it now in like 16-23 or some games under Josh Heupel. Like, they run for 200, they're going to beat you. And they want to run first. And I think they're a more run-first team this year than they have been. Spragan's getting after it pretty good with Cooper back in at center. Like, they, they kind of got the O-line figured out. Minty did some good things at right tackle. The tight ends are great. 34 adds so much to what he does. Obviously, 87 does a good job with the inserts and the split zone. They've got the run game humming, and they've added Joe Milton to it a little bit more than in the past, and he brings a power element to that. So now they become even more difficult to defend. Plus, with how Joe spits it out to the perimeter quickly, I think that helps the run game also get going. You add tempo. And when it's easy throws and easier runs, plus quarterback runs, I think it makes Joe a little bit better going that much faster with those kind of plays. He doesn't have to push the ball down the field 10, 12 times a game for them to win. He really doesn't. Uh, because he gets it out on the perimeter so fast, I think it forces you to defend it wider, which opens up things in the run game. Like I'm going to be interested to see how Schumann and Muschamp and Kirby play it because they compress space so quickly. That secondary gets to the ball in a hurry, and it looks like you got a lot of green, and it closes fast. But I think this defense challenges you wide a little bit more so, or this offense, excuse me. It challenges you with their width more so than they did a year ago, whereas last year it challenged you down the field, and this one might not do that as much. The backs are obviously fantastic. Uh, Jalen Wright, eight for 113. Uh, I thought Elijah Herring was good on defense. Jalen McCullough was good on defense. Uh, good to have 10 back in there. He was disrupted a little bit up front defensively. And they didn't really have to do a whole lot. I mean, defensive touchdowns, you had that in this game. They handled their business. What do you say? Um, you know, now you sit there 7-2 and two and you move on. And it's a Tennessee team that I think is going to be dangerous. I, I think they can cause some problems. Um, Arkansas gets Florida 39-36. Had to have it. Happy for Sam Pittman. Um, cause we love the guy, but you know, this is one that I think there are also some things inside of this win that you can build upon. Florida had plenty of success on offense. I mean, don't think that they didn't, uh, Mertz had a good day. Uh, you know, receivers had a pretty good day. Obviously we know what Pearsall is capable of doing. Eugene Wilson had a really nice day, thought a little more ATN than Montrell in this one. Probably needed the burst, the speed, because that's a good defensive line. Landon Jackson was in the backfield causing problems. Those linebackers were flying around. You know, 
Uh, Chris Paul Jr. was making plays. 28 was making some plays. Uh, but Florida was consistently able to find things. A lot of the misdirection, play action, the eye violations, you know, worked at times. You know, I just think that things sort of bogged down in the red zone and the consistency's not quite there. Um, I think there's more consistency when the physical run game is there, which they didn't have as much of in this game. But I'll give, I'll give Arkansas credit. You know, you reinvented yourself a little bit offensively. You saw them spread the field a little bit more. So if you're not running the ball well, why would you compress things? You don't need H-backs, fullbacks, tight ends. Don't bring more attention to the ball when you can't push people around. I thought that had been happening a little bit too much. So now they spread it out, some empty sets, and even go empty motion the back end, which still gives you the numbers, and then add more quarterback run. Guys, this ain't hard. Ben Lear told me a long time ago, football ain't hard. And this is the epitome of that. K.J. Jefferson is a great runner with the football in his hand. He can be physical. He can run away from you, stiff arm. He's just a great runner. Why not use that? And they had gotten away from it a little bit. Now, the cool part is they still did this with tight end usage. So even with some 12 personnel, but splitting those guys out, you're still able to find ways to win. By the way, Varkis Gums, 30. We saw him in this game for Arkansas a little bit later. He was great in the run game. Like, that kid gets after you in the run game. Just tell him what the damn play is. It doesn't matter. But he's a guy who can help him. I really do believe he can help him down the stretch. Andrew Armstrong, hey, catch and run. What do you know? Three for 103. Like, finally, we get a little catch and run from the Arkansas wide receivers. But when you spread it out, you give them more opportunities to be able to do that. So, and then the other run game gets going a little bit. Why don't they more dominant on the, on the ground in this game? Um, Rocket was 18 for 103. Great to have him back. I mean, you, he's a must-have if you're going to win some of these games down the stretch. But you saw what those backside defensive ends had to do. Staying home to play quarterback run. That opens up cutback lanes and other things inside to help a run game that just hadn't been great this year. So a pretty simple formula to change some things for Arkansas that I think they can build upon actually didn't think KJ was at his best, 20 of 31, 255. He missed some throws. He looked a little bit erratic at times, kind of looked uncomfortable at times, but it's still in there, and we know it's there, and he made big plays when he had to. I mean, I felt like those last two drives, he just said, I got this, guys. Like, hop on my back. Here we go. I'm going to get this thing done. I'm going to finish this off. Um, Jacksonville State, South Carolina. Woo, buddy. 38-28. Some of the similar defensive issues that we've seen with this team – with safeties creeping up a little bit close to the line of scrimmage, getting hurt on plays downfield, play action being impactful. You had a mobile quarterback. When he got on the perimeter, some things broke down. Scramble drill was good for the the Jackson. I was going to say for the Gamecocks, but for the Jacksonville State Gamecocks. Um, But in the end, you get a win. And by God, you just needed a W right now if you're Shane Beamer or the South Carolina Gamecocks. And you got that. Now, offensively, I thought Mario Anderson ran hard. Great feel for the zone scheme, but it's actually a pretty good Jacksonville State defensive line. I've seen them a lot over the last few years, and they got, they got a couple dudes up there that can be problematic. Um, but the offensive line is just, they're beat to hell and back, and they don't have a lot of bodies, and they can't practice the way they want to, and they couldn't open things up. But they stuck with it, and I thought Dow Loggins did a really nice job of sort of creating different things, moving guys around, different formations. You didn't have Trey Knox either, which is hurtful. Six had a really nice game at tight end, kind of filling in. That was big. They needed him to be able to do some of the intermediate things. 
And you saw the confidence Spencer Rattler has in Xavier Leggett. I mean, working in the middle of the field, making guys miss when he catches the comeback over on the left hash. The deep ball over the sideline, safety's got the angle, and he just burns past him. Like, Xavier Leggett is just a – he is a monster, man. Uh, big, physical, ton of speed, has really improved his ball skills, and he's fun to watch. So, you know, I, I, I do think – I mean, listen, the interception late – was massive. You get a pick six, you slam the door, you had to have it. But I mean, there's just, there's a lot of part. I mean, Stone Blanton, give him credit for taking that thing in and taking it to the house. Debo Williams had a good game, 13 tackles. He was active, but still you get guys out of position, second and third level over pursuit. Those things have got to be cleaned up if you're going to have a chance to win any more games for the rest of this season. Um, you know, I thought Tyreek Johnson did some good things. He's been pretty good off the edge this year. Jordan Strawn did some good things as well. But this was a different style plan that was going to attack you with their quarterback's legs in different ways. And you've got to be home. You've got to play sound. You've got to keep contained. And some of those things went away at times. The offensive line is just not going to be able to open things up. They're not just going to protect. But you saw Dow move the pocket a little bit. And Rattler was frustrated some. But I also think you give him credit for sticking with it and finding a way to win a game. He made some big throws, some under pressure, some where they were quick and he had some time. But he knew, think about Rattler this year, confidence in knowing where to go with the football. That has been a consistency with him throughout the course of this entire season. Uh, he was impressive. I mean, listen, you go out there and you throw for 399. I don't care who it is again. It's impressive for me. Um, so South Carolina, maybe a little bit of confidence. They can build on this moving forward find a way to get another couple games. Uh, before I tell you about Auburn and Vanderbilt, Fabric Life Insurance, you guys know it's not something you probably think a ton about. Uh, your parents used to talk about it, maybe think about it, but now you're in that spot where you need to think about it and you hear life insurance ads, but it's time to get real, protect your family, protect yourself. As a parent, listen, I've had to learn a lot of new skills to provide for my family, whether it's laundry, meal plan, you know, school pickup, activities, whatever that is. Fabric by Gerber Life provides an easy one-stop shop for your financial needs. They offer high-quality term life insurance policies plus other financial solutions in one easy online hub. Fall is about to be back to school, back to routine. The checklist that you're going to have for all the things coming up now with the holidays. The most important task on that list should be securing your family's financial future, starting with life insurance. Fabric by Gerber Life makes quick, easy, and affordable to protect your family so you can get back to enjoying life. Fabric designed by parents for parents to help you get a high-quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. It's easy, guys. So here's what you have to do. Meetfabric.com slash cube. M-E-E-T fabric.com slash cube. Go there today. Join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com backslash cube. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Insurance Company, not available in certain states. All right. Auburn gets a win. They get to five and four. Bowl eligibility in sight. A bowl would be huge for Hugh Freeze in year one. Mentioned this before. Like some Auburn fans were losing patience, getting frustrated and upset. There, were, there are no losses on that schedule that before the season, we didn't think that team was a better team than Auburn was. But now you're finding a way to grind through and get some wins. You knock off Mississippi State. You knock off Vanderbilt. You get an SEC win on the road. I don't care who it is. That's good. It's a plus. It's a positive. There's some positive takeaways here. Thought the freshman center, Connor Liu, had a nice game. Recognizing 
a little bit of a weird defense where that backside backer was going to be in a lot of stuff when he was frontside where he needed to be got some good cutoff blocks opened up some things for Jarquez Hunter Jarquez Hunter massive day and he showed great patience allowing the zone play to develop and then boom getting north and south he was a lead blocker a couple of times he helped him pass pro a little bit Jarquez Hunter is not just great when the ball is in his hands he helps Auburn win football games when he does not hold the football that's huge um I thought Peyton Thorne was a little inconsistent. I thought he was a little less decisive than he was a week ago. And like I told you, some of those decisions were going to be more difficult because people weren't going to defend in as egregious manner as Mississippi State does sometimes. But the other portion of this is the drops were flat out egregious. I mean, this wide receiver core has got to step up and help this kid out. He's not good enough to just go win games on his own. And neither is the running game, by the way. It was good in this one, but they can't just go out and hand it off 50 times and expect to win games. Certain players on that offensive line that had been great this year were not great in this game. I thought for Vanderbilt, you had a couple of guys with nice wins off the edge. 29 had a couple of nice wins. Um, I thought inside, you were a little bit disruptive at times, um, but tackling at the second level was not great. Um, eye violations were a real problem for Vanderbilt. And that's one thing that Hugh and this offensive staff has done to help this run game get going. It's just a lot of things going different directions with a north-south runner that can really hurt you. Um, Fairweather was nice at tight end. 13 made a couple of good grabs. Uh, had a couple good blocks in the run game as well. But the consistency is not where it needs to be on offense. It just isn't. And I think the receivers are a big part of that. Offensive line still a ways to go. Quarterback has to know when to get the ball out. Needs to be more decisive. But did do some good things in the read game. When to pull the ball, when to hand the ball and then being able to find some space to operate with his legs. I think that helped a couple of times. Um, for the Vanderbilt offense, like, I don't understand what's going on at quarterback, man. Like, I really don't. Uh, I know Walter Taylor might be the future. He's athletic. He's got a big arm. But the playbook's limited when he comes in. And he came in, and Vandy's still in this game. Uh, so that, I mean, I, Ken Seals, to me, is the guy. And even if he's a little bit limited, there's enough around him to be able to make that go. Um, you know, you got to get the ball to 14 down the field more and down the field, like not comeback routes and hitch routes and crossers, like down the field. He's that dangerous. Six needs to touch the ball more. And I felt like it was, it was heading that direction early and they kind of got away from it. And then it wasn't that. So I don't know, man, it's tough to kind of diagnose offensively where they are. Cause they, there's not enough time to work a lot of things down the field. There's not enough time for certain plays to develop that are longer in development because that offensive line just can't hold up. And they can't run right at you because they don't open things. So it's got to be a lot of east and west. It's got to be a lot of quick game. Uh, but I do think they're managing it well, and at least they're morphing and trying to change and do different things to give themselves opportunities. I just don't know if this quarterback situation is the best bet to be able to do that moving forward. Like It, it doesn't feel like that's really what it needs to be and where it needs to go. So. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know if that's it. I don't know if that's where it needs to be. Uh, defensively for Auburn, I thought you got some great effort. Keldrick Falk off the edge, like he's really compressing space well. He's playing out. He's playing in. He's rushing the passer. Like the stats aren't there, but he's affecting the game. And he's playing sound football for his position. Out on the edge, keeping contained, things of that nature. He's doing a really good job. Keontae Scott showed up again. Zero throwing his body around. I mean, love watching him play football. DJ James in the secondary had a really good day. 
Um, and some of the guys inside, I think, kind of starting to show up just a little bit more for this Auburn defense. Justin Rogers gets a play here and there every now and then. Like, we know what Marcus Harris is and that that thing's going to be good and it's going to continue to roll. But I just I, – I don't know if – the edge presence is still not enough as far as pass rush, so you're going to need Asante. You're going to need keys, probably in blitz situations, to be able to affect the quarterback. And keep in mind, like, Falk off the edge, like we mentioned, next week, that's a big one. It's one that they're going to they're need him to have a big week with what they're going to face in a mobile quarterback. Uh, also, I think when you just look at how that defense plays fast. They attack the football. The safeties play downhill. The linebackers play east-west. Like it's That part of the defense, I think, is encouraging to kind of see what it is and maybe what it's got the capability to continue to be moving forward. So I, mean, I feel pretty good about the Auburn defense. Um, got some good individual efforts. And in this totality, I thought you got a good overall effort. But either way, Auburn gets a win. And, and that's huge. You get an SEC win on the road, it's big. You know, you got that on 31-17. And, you know, for Vandy, I, you got to figure some out and be more consistent offensively. I, I don't really know what to say. Quick preview for next week's games. Remember, subscribe right here on YouTube, uh, at CubeShow61 on YouTube, at CubeShow Twitter, Instagram. Follow us there. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, if you're going there, please subscribe, like, review. We always appreciate that. We appreciate all of our sponsors. Uh, Bama at Kentucky next week. Devin Leary, escapability would concern me. The capability of these receivers would concern me. Ray Davis, but Bama should win at the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. And like 97 for Kentucky can get after you. Like J.J. Weaver can get after you. They got dudes. Trevin Wallace is a problem at linebacker, but Bama should still win there. And I think they have to. Kroger feels a little tougher place to play than people believe. But Bama should be the more physical team. Um, and then just keep Jalen Milrow doing what he's doing, and I think you'll be fine. Uh, Vandy at South Carolina next week. I mean, this is one that both those teams need because they can both get it. Um, I don't see Vanderbilt being able to trade punches with the South Carolina offense, even though they can't protect, and Vanderbilt's got a couple good pass rushers. South Carolina should be able to find some points, and Vandy's going to have to find a way to match it. Tennessee at Missouri. Um, Better show up physically if you're Tennessee because Missouri's going to get after you both up front on offense and defense. Um, the way that Missouri tackles would be a concern for me. Uh, they can limit your explosive plays. Now, this may be a game where Milton has to hit one or two down the field just because Missouri is physical enough and tackles well enough to limit those big runs. And if, you, if they continue to do that and they're dedicating the bodies to do that, that's where you have to get a couple down the field. Um, Auburn at Arkansas, another one they both really need. Um, concerned about the Auburn offense in that one. You know, Landon Jackson and those guys up front, that, that Arkansas defensive front's pretty stout, and they're pretty good. They could be a problem in this game. Uh, you got a young freshman corner that's playing good football. Your linebackers, east and west, very good. So I don't know if the perimeter run game is going to be a good for Auburn in this one. Uh, Jarquez Hunter going to need to be big. And then offensively for Arkansas, you're going against a D-line that has been better and a group of active linebackers that's been better. But can Auburn stay disciplined, stay at home against the quarterback runs? That'll be the big question. Florida at LSU, I want to be on the call for that one. I'll be in the booth with Tom Hart. Excited about it, do the rivalry aspect of it. I know it means a lot to a lot of people. Um, I don't see LSU getting a ton of stops. I'll be very interested in the availability of LSU players in this game. 
and that's all I'm going to say about it, but we shall see. Um, Florida should move the ball. Austin Armstrong has that defense playing aggressive. I just wonder if he has the bodies to continue playing that way. One of your best defenders goes out two weeks ago, tries to go against Georgia a little bit, and then can't finish the game. Like they, He needs different style players to do the things he wants to do. And then I think against LSU, you should be able to move the football specifically on the ground. And if you can contain it, maintain it, depending on what's going at quarterback, we'll see what Florida can do. Mississippi State at A&M, one, another one. Like these might not be highly ranked games, but there are a bunch of games that both teams really need. Obviously, A&M wins it. Uh, people starting talking about Jimbo and who'd be the next head coach at A&M. So from that perspective, he needs it. Same thing with Arnett. He's got to have it. Be interested to see what, what Mississippi State does at quarterback. Um, because you tried the young kid late, Parson, and he's got skill. He's got ability. He's got mobility, big arm. But very rarely do we see the freshman quarterback go in late who was on scout team early in the season, and all of a sudden it just clicks and it just goes. So that, that'll be tough. I don't know if that happens. But, you know, Ole Miss at Georgia, massive game. Uh, I do think Lane can complicate this game. If he doesn't outthink himself like he has against Alabama a couple of times, use the eye violations. Caden Priestcorn, back and forth. Motions, shifts, trades, then use tempo. Judkins, getting north and south, if you can remove those defenders from the box. Trey Harris is going to garner attention. Can Dayton Wade have a big game? Defensively, if you can just hold up physically against that run game, and the pass rush a little bit better than what we've seen, can you force Carson Beck into a mistake or two? Because I think that's how Georgia's got it. That's what has to happen for Georgia to get beat. Carson Beck's going to have to make mistakes. And when he's getting easy outlet throws to Ladd McConkey and they're going for explosives, he ain't going to make a lot of mistakes doing that. So, But the tackles had some problems in pass pro. Ole Miss has been pretty good off the edge this year. Uh, I think they have seven or eight, six more sacks rushing four this year than they did all of last year. So they've been good in that department. We'll see what happens. We'll be back. I'm going to try to get it out on Sunday next week. I'll be going from New Orleans to Charlotte Sunday morning. Uh, try to get the show out for you on Sunday. I'm sorry it was a day late. I was in a fog yesterday, man. I'm going to be honest. Came back from Starkville. Thought I was going to get home at midnight. Hit the Alabama LSU traffic. Got home at 1.30. 6.30 flight out of Birmingham. Couldn't fall asleep yesterday during the day. Just But we're going to try to get it going. We're going to keep talking college football. Thank you all for all the support. We appreciate it. And we'll be back next week. BiggerPockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.